Welcome everybody to this edition of Cat's Pyjamas Conversations. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to be in conversation uh, with Kerry Jane Hacklin from Cherub PR this evening. Um, and we are going to be talking all things PR in a pandemic, so uh, very timely. Um, I met Kerry Jane at the House of Lords breakfast as part of the F Entrepreneur uh, I Also 100 campaign. And I was absolutely pleased to have been in the queue with her and, and get chatting and have a talk to, to Kerry at that event. Um, an absolute inspiration, uh, recognised in many different ways um, as an award winner. So Employer of the Year in the Sue Ryder uh, Woman of Achievement Awards, as well as being recognised um, for everything you do as an entrepreneur. So welcome, thank you for talking to us. Tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> thank you very much for that. That makes me sound really impressive. So <laughs> I'm going to take that. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, yes, as you said, I run Cherub PR. We've been running for almost 17 years, uh, but I can't possibly be that old, so I think I might start reducing that. Um, we work with clients from a range of industries, uh, ranging from business leaders who want to be seen as thought leaders to uh, organisations themselves that want to promote products and services. Um, and because we work across a wide range of industries, it means we have insight into different media. So instead of resting on our laurels and thinking we always do this or always do that, we're able to address some wide range of media with different angles and different topics which I think is what marks us out from the competition um, so yeah so we've been uh, been doing that for, for what feels like forever but in a good way um, and here we are so <laughs> thank you for having me on. Oh thank you so much for agreeing to have a chat so um, we'll get straight into it I guess um, in my own experience and yours might be very different um, PR is often uh, the first thing, even in the best of times, that gets uh, reviewed in terms of budget and spend and do we really need it and can we cut down and I'm just thinking now in this really difficult time of the pandemic uh, that might be the case even more so. So what's your view around some of that? Have you, have you experienced any of that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, people look at PR and because it's intangible they kind of think, oh well that's something we can definitely do without. Um, you know, marketing I think less so maybe, but PR because it's press coverage and if they're not tracking it, then that's that's when the problem comes in and they're seeing that maybe they think, oh hang on, I'm not, I'm not sure this is working for us. Um, I think the challenge is that companies that do maintain their PR activity at this moment are going to be ahead of the competition when we come out of it. Um, but I think it's a matter of tracking what's working and what's not. So we had an experience earlier this week actually when our client noticed that their sales had gone up by 350% and they could directly track it back to a piece of coverage we got in a relevant magazine. Um, but a lot of people don't track things so they can't tell what's successful and what's not. And I think the other thing is how they use their publicity. So. There's a lot of people that, that get their, their, their PR, they get a really good piece in a magazine, they get a brief word article in a trade journal, whatever it might be, but that's where they leave it. They don't use it on social media, they don't use it on LinkedIn, they don't talk about it to their clients. So, you know, if, if you are generating publicity at this time, um, how you use it is every bit as important as the publicity itself, otherwise it's, it's, it's just that in a drawer gathering yeah. dust. So, you know, the people who actually are investing in PR right now and using it properly, they're the ones that are going to flourish in the long term. Excellent. God, you've said so many things that I've got a billion questions about now. But <laughs> um, I particularly liked your point and maybe explore it a bit more about, um, you know, when you get that coverage, kind of repurposing that content and how do you use it? Because like you say, I'm sure many people listening have been like, you know, if they've got that media coverage, like, yeah, I've got it. And like you say, they've just left it at that. So 
you know, what sort of things would, without giving all your game away, <laughs> what sort of things, you know, should people be thinking if they do get that elusive piece of media coverage so to really maximise on it? Well, there's, there's a number of things. I mean, one of the things we encourage our clients to do is when they've got a bunch of media coverage from various different titles is to start a press page on their website so they can show where they've been. Obviously, they can't replicate the articles entirely because then you get in trouble with the copywriting organisations. Mm. But by using the mastheads, um, you can get away with it. You can say, as seen in X magazine, as seen in Y magazine. And that's a good way so people going to your website can see where you've been seen and it lends you credibility. Um, the other way is actually to use it on your social media channels, whatever you're on. You might not be on Twitter, but you'll be on LinkedIn or vice versa. So post that, be excited about it. Say, you know, we're so delighted to be seen in XY magazine. Um, use the hashtags around it. Use you know, press coverage, use the hashtags that you use every day to get people to look at it. And when people forward it on, you say thank you for that, because it just encourages that engagement. And um, the other thing that we try and encourage clients to do is when they're talking to potential clients, they can say, you know, actually, yeah, did you see us in this magazine? Because this would explain our approach to whatever it is. So it's just a case of using it, talking about it, getting it, getting it seen. Um, because the more you're seen in those magazines, the more credibility you have, the more people trust you. And, and the bigger, as an organisation, that, that you look, you know, that people don't expect small companies to be seen in big magazines. Um, and, and when they do, they start treating you with more respect. But yeah, it's about, it's about using that, that coverage in all the different ways that you can. Um, and, and also people are embarrassed about using it as well. Well, people sort of think, oh God, I've been seen in this magazine and oh, I'm really embarrassed and I don't want to show anybody. And I know the feeling because we do the same thing. Um, you know, when we met at the big, I also um, event, you know, I sort of, I really didn't want to send a press release out about it. And I'm in PR. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. everyone struggles with it. So, People who work in comms, marketing and PR are often the ones who are the most humble about the, the own things they do. I must say, I've, that's, I've massively struggled with that even as a communicator. It's like, I love talking about everything that other people do, but then when it comes to me, it's like, oh, it's a bit awkward now. I feel a bit like I'm blowing yeah. my own trumpet, which seems strange, but you really do encourage Absolutely. people to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's horrible doing it yourself, but, but you have to do it because no one else is going to do it for you unless you employ someone to do it for you. Um, but yeah, using it, and, you know, if, if you call it showing off, then that's fine. But, you know, you have to do it because no one else is going to do it. The other thing you can do with it is, you know, if you're thinking about entering awards at some stage, you could use that coverage in, in the award application because it shows that you're serious, that you're taking the business forward, that you're, you're, you're a credible organisation that is recognised in the press. And so lots of points you've made there, really good reasons to continue with your PR effort, um, even if it feels slightly awkward during the pandemic. So I guess one of the things it got me to thinking about is, are there opportunities out there right now? Uh, are, you know, publications and other things, you know, are they looking for stories or, you know, I'm sure there's small businesses that, oh, it's not worth it because everybody is only interested in coronavirus. So why would people want to hear about me? But, you know, what, what's your view on that? Yeah, I think absolutely people are looking for different stories because, I mean, what, we've been in lockdown now for eight weeks. Mm. So people want positive stories, they want nice stories, they want to be thinking about something that isn't about coronavirus. Um, <clears throat> there's, I mean, there are opportunities for companies that are pivoting to, to offer different um, services. Um, so there's obviously opportunity with those organisations to talk about how they're helping um, their local NHS out or, or whatever it is that they're doing. But also companies with new products and services that aren't related that bring a little bit of joy into people's lives are, are also good and i think also journalists 
because uh, there's so much pressure on journalists right now. A lot of them are furloughed themselves. Um, the more that you can supply the media with content, you're actually helping them out to fill the pages because uh, there's a lot of that there's a really lot of pressure on the media right now. So sometimes actually providing them with that content is, is helpful to them apart from anything else. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I think because I, I do think people would be put off seeking, you know, proactive PR because of the situation that we're in. But really, it feels like we should seize the opportunity as much as we can to to fill some of those pages, whether they're online or or otherwise. So, um, you talked a bit about tracking your PR activity and your media coverage. And um, I sometimes wonder whether that feels a bit daunting for people, um, which I imagine is why there's organisations like yours out there to, to give them some guidance. But, you know, what would be your top tips around kind of tracking how effective your PR has been during the pandemic? Well, I think, I mean, the various analytics tools that are out there, like Google Analytics, you need to make sure you're signed up to those, which is relatively easy. So you just need to make sure that you're tracking the coverage that comes in almost by the date. And if you see a spike, you can make sure that you can look back and go, oh, this is when this happened. And it might be, you know, the social media stuff. So something might have come out in the press that wasn't a massive hit, but then you might have experienced an uplift in sales a week later because somebody has tweeted about it. Actually, one thing that happened to us a few years back, we um, got a really good piece in Cosmopolitan um, I think it was, yeah, it was Cosmo Online. It was a really good piece for a client. And what happened was that, you know, he said he didn't see a massive uplift when it came out. But two days later, they Snapchatted it. And he saw something like a 2,000% rise in visitors to his website. Wow. And he had something like 350 inquiries in one day just because they Snapchatted it. So the initial piece didn't generate, you know, it obviously did, you know, it had an impact on his, on his site as it went up. But it was when they snapchatted it and it hit their social media that's when it through the roof so keeping an eye on those sorts of things it's not just about sales it's about site visits because one of the things people think is that pr is magic and it happens overnight what might happen is that you might get a story in the daily mail tomorrow that actually people think oh that's that's a good service that's a good product i'll put that on the fridge and come back to it later so they might buy the product two months later by which point you think well actually that hasn't you know, you, you don't put the two together, but asking your customers and putting something on your website saying, how did you hear about us, triggers people to think. So, you know, through, through, through Google Analytics and through asking clients how they find you um, and maybe giving it some time as well. So you can see a spike to your website. You might not see instant sales, but you can track it back. That's, that's a very waffly way of explaining that no, no, no. that's brilliant because also what it's got me to thinking is i wonder how many people out there particularly small business owners um invest very much time in asking um kind of how people heard about them or why they might have come to use their service or their product so um i'm assuming yeah. that's the sort of stuff you would advise your clients around in terms of you know how to reach out and just find out which channels your your customers are coming into you from yeah, absolutely. And I mean, sometimes it's even journalists. So we had um, a call recently from a journalist who picked up a story that we placed in Metro, I think, wanting to interview our client on LBC. So, you know, it was showing that people were reading it and interested. And we've had that a few times. Um, and it's, yeah, it's showing it off and tracking it back. And yeah, like I say, even if it's something of retweet, you might see a consistent uplift for a few weeks because people are talking about it and retweeting it. And mm. that, that's how it kind of keeps keeps going. But people need to be aware of it. Otherwise, you can't possibly know what's working and what's not. And you've, you've mentioned the word journalist a couple of times. And um, sometimes that that whole idea of a journalist puts the fear of God into people <laughs> in terms of <laughs> those people who are not used to dealing with them. <laughs> 
sometimes they put the pyrogods into us as well to be honest <laughs> I was going to say have a bit of a panic about it but um have you got any advice you know so if people aren't able at this point in time um, to use uh, an organisation like yours to support them with their PR efforts, um, particularly around the media front, have you got any advice you could give people about dealing with the dreaded journos? Because I think that is what puts people off sometimes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, I think, I think research is really, really, really important because you do not want to be contacting a journalist who works in fintech for example if you are a company specializing in childcare, and quite often that happens because people rely on media lists uh, and, and without that research you just can't know so if you find a story in the paper that relates to something that you're doing write the name of the journalist down and so you know the kinds of thing they're interested in so you can approach them about your your topics some other time um, so keep track of the journalists and um, don't hassle them. I mean, we do like to follow up with journalists actually where possible. Um, a lot of them say they don't like it, but we've had experiences where they haven't responded to any emails and it's only by being on the phone and actually talking to them and pitching the story in an engaging way that they've gone, oh, actually, that sounds really good. Yeah, I'd like to do something on that. Um, I think we got a double page spread in Grazia on that approach. You know, they, they didn't get back to us on email, but when I rang them, they were kind of, oh, that's fantastic. Um, if they're busy, go away, <laughs> you know, just and, and send them an email. But, you know, try to make it engaging, try to make it interesting to them. And don't forget that they are not there to do you a favor. Just because you think you've got a good story doesn't mean their audience will necessarily be interested. So look at the audience of the title, look at what it is that they are reading the title to find out about. So it's not just about the journalists, it's about the audience. So try and adapt your story to try and make it interesting to the audience of that publication because somebody who reads um, Grazia is going to be very different from the funny person who reads the FT. And I know that's a very extreme, obvious example, <laughs> but, but you know, different media are looking for different things. So, so, so see what the journalists are interested in, research them generally to find out what kind of things they write about try and track it back to what you do and if you if you need to when you speak to them then you can adapt your story as well so it might be that particular angle isn't going to work for them when you talk to them you can say well how about this angle or that angle and that working with them rather than being very stuck to what it's you what it is that you want to talk about yeah. creates a relationship with them where you're working together not at loggerheads yeah no that's brilliant so, that's, that's really good advice and um yeah good advice that i'm going to keep in the forefront of my mind because sometimes I forget that and I forget that journalists are humans too so I feel bad that I've been I've called them <laughs> dreaded journalists because actually um you know the journalists do a, a fabulous job out there so I, I don't want anyone who's a journalist listening to be offended but, <laughs> but I do I do sometimes think that is is a bit of a fear factor for people who aren't used to dealing with that that kind of environment so um a number of the things you've said in, including that advice around dealing with the media um at the tracking, you're doing the research, um, I guess all sounds quite daunting when you're a small business owner, which is um, probably why people like you and organisations like yours exist. So um, do you want to just tell us a little bit more about kind of how you might work with a small business who's looking to do a bit of PR during the pandemic, um, should they come your way? Yeah, well, for us, it's about Work, working with a client to get under the skin of their business and really understanding what it is that they do and what aims and objectives they have. Because some people will say, well, they want sales, but actually other people want to raise their profile 
for, for a different reason. They want to raise their profile to be seen as a thought leader or they want to be seen as a community leader. Um, I mean, some people we know that want to do PR because they want an ODE. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know whatever. Whatever <laughs> drives you. <laughs> exactly. That's what turns you off. Um, but what we've, you know, it's, it's about talking to the client because actually what we find often as well is that what a client thinks they want is different from what they actually want or who they think they are as a business is different from who they are as a business. I think we discussed this when we met, was that um, we spoke to one client once and they were convinced that they were a software company. And I had to say to them, well, no, actually you're selling a, a solution to a problem. And they said, no, people are buying our software. I said, they're not buying your software, they're buying the problem, the, you know, the solution to what it is that you do. And they couldn't see it. Um, so I think a lot of the time it's, it, it takes a third person to come in and actually say, no, no, look at it from this perspective and this perspective. Because when you're in the middle of your company, when you're actually doing the day-to-day -day work, you forget. Mm. how important it is and how interesting it is. There are so many people who can't, don't think they've got a PR story. And when you talk to them, you say, yeah, but you do this, 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 and this, and this, and it's really interesting. And they go, oh, is that interesting? Because they get stuck in it. Yeah. So yeah, so we come in, we look at things from an external perspective. We talk to them about what they want to achieve, what their aims and objectives are, what their key messages are. We talk to them about who it is that they want to reach because the people who they think they want to reach often are different. So. You know, we worked with an engineering company that was convinced they wanted to be in the engineering titles. And we said, well, actually, maybe you need to be in the business titles because the engineering titles already know about you. And actually, we were right. They, they, they did need to be in those business titles. Um, so, yeah, we, we try and get under the skin of the business and get to know them because it's a two-way street, you know, PR. It's not about, um, you know, us telling them what to do. It's about working together in collaboration to help them achieve the results. Um, and, and, yeah, it's 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 working together and pointing them in the right direction and, and also hopefully you know developing a, a, a relationship of trust you know if we say this is this is the right thing to do you know hopefully we work with clients who go actually yes you're right let's let's do that yeah. and taking their advice and taking the opportunities as well so when we see an opportunity for a client uh, whether it's on tv or radio if a news story breaks we will react to it on behalf of the client to make sure that we, we make the most of that opportunity because there are things that happen constantly that our clients could comment on. Yeah. Whether it's body language or politics or money or whatever it might be, there are things that you can get on the back of. And that's how clients on Newsnight and, um, and CNBC and the World Service and the Today programme. But, you know, it's about sort of being aware of what's going on in the world and then relating that to what our clients have to say. I love that. And you talked about that building that trusted relationship. And I guess that's just made me just think a little bit about... Um, particularly maybe with smaller businesses um, people who maybe you know it's just them working you know on their company um, is PR in your view and you are the expert something that you can pick up and, and put down as it suits you or when you've got some budget or possibly when you've maybe got an issue or is it something that people should be investing in for the longer term it needs to be a long-term project because things don't happen overnight and you know it's over, let's say you win an award for something so you get that into your local press if that's all they see of you for six months and that's all the readers see of you for six months they've forgotten you by then if you've won an award and then you've got a new product or you've got a new service or you're giving a talk or there's something else the local press will be interested in so they see you month after month after month that's when they start recognizing it's like networking you know when you go networking and you see somebody sort of over a consistent period of a year like a photographer you think oh i'll use that photographer because i've met her 12 times over the past year the person you meet once isn't in your memory forever because you've only met them once mm -hmm. then it's the same with pr you need that consistent coverage to keep people being aware of you 
and keep people thinking of you. And even now, you know, because we try and do our own PR, um, it's a bit of a struggle sometimes, we try and do our own PR, but someone will say to me, oh, I, I read about you recently because you were in this and they've met me at a networking event or they've seen me in a magazine or they've heard me on three, you know, local radio station or whatever it might be, but it all works together to build our brand. So yeah, it, it needs to be like, much like networking, much like any kind of marketing, it needs to be consistent because it does take time. Um, and it's that touch point. I think it's seven touch points you need to have before someone starts recognizing you. So so yeah, it's it's a long-term process. But so it's, it does pay off. <laughs> yeah, it's not really something we can just be like, because my, my other thought was people, you know, people are uh, in lockdown now through the pandemic mm. and they're probably not being able to operate in the way they normally would with their business so I'm, I'm also wondering whether there are people out thinking oh now I've got a bit of time I could focus on mm. my PR but again I guess the same principles apply yes by all means do but make sure you've got something sustainable to keep that going when we move through the pandemic and out of lockdown yeah absolutely I think you know one of the things people could look at is, is what their product and services and how they can adapt it. I don't mean adapt it in the sense of for the pandemic, but in terms of, you know, is it a product that's suitable for Valentine's Day or Christmas? Because if you can have your whole year laid out, then you can start plotting what you're going to do each month and taking into account things like the local press has a really short lead time. Um, the national press has a short lead time unless you're talking about glossy magazines, which have a lead time of five months. So if you're trying to get something in Christmas editions, you need to start, I'm going to work it out, but you know, about summertime to start <laughs> yeah. thinking about how you're going to get into those magazines. So ideally someone would sit down, take a whole year and plot their activity month by month. It's also a good chance to start looking into things like awards the award schemes are still going on and they will be you know looking into awards now that are going to take place in october they should be still taking taking place so looking into the award schemes that exist and start getting your entries together because that then if you win or get shortlisted that then gives you an opportunity to get into the press for that so it's stuff that backs up your pr activity um, if it's your anniversary as well, I mean, we're 17 this year, um, you know, we will start putting together a press release, you know, sort of in July to talk about that for the local press. But that's something that, you know, people forget about, that people are interested in, there's good news stories about businesses. So if you can plan your year and start thinking about the important dates, whether that's an anniversary or an award win, or whether it's a Christmas product you're launching, or if you're an event company and you've got an event to promote, it's, you know, it's, it's plotting that year. And again, that's such a wide, <laughs> broad thing, but it's, it is about that planning. And if you can't, can spend some time planning it now, because all you need to do really is a couple of hours a week of PR. If you can set aside a couple of hours a week just to look at your PR plan and think about what's coming up and how to react to it. And think about the journalists you've spoken to before, because if you've got a list of journalists that you've spoken to, you know, what was the last conversation you've had with them? What can you go back to them with? They said, oh, actually, come back to me in two months track that, keep an eye on it, go back to them, contact them again and say, oh, we spoke two months ago, you said you might be interested. So all that, you know, developing that list and updating that list, um, I guess it's like a journalist pipeline, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like everyone has a sales pipeline. Um, so, so that's, yeah, that's, that's how... I'm loving that two hours, two hours a week. There is no excuse now, is there, for any of us <laughs> not to be spending two hours a week focusing on some of that planning and that research time. So, um, I, yeah, I've I've knocked off a two-hour commute of of every day of my week. So if I can't wow. use one of those to do <laughs> oh some <my> proactive <laughs> stuff around my own PR, then shame on me, and you can tell me off for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be emailing you. What's it going? When's your two hours? When are you going to yes, do it? When you do, and that's quite good, isn't it? Having a bit of an accountability to, to kind of you know factor it in and get it done is a really positive thing yeah um, absolutely 
I was just wondering, um, just a slight tangent, but we've talked a lot, you know, for everyone else, what what we can be doing around our own sort of PR during the pandemic. And, um, you know, there's definitely a need, I think, for the level of expertise someone like you and, and your business can, can bring because we can't all be PR experts. But I just wondered, how's the pandemic um, experience so far been for you and Cherub PR? How's, that, how's it felt for you guys? Uh, it's actually, and uh, you know, not to, not to put it, it's difficult to answer positively when so many people have been affected mm, so badly. Um, but but for us, it's been okay actually. Um, we've been working from home. I mean, we're a really small team, so we've been working from home, which has been fine. Um, so we're just on the phone all the time. We've lost a few clients, uh, things that were specifically, you know, cleaning company we've been working with for the last five years. Um, obviously their, their business is going through a quiet patch, so, you know, we've not been working with them, but there have been other opportunities with companies who have decided to invest more in PR um, because they think that this is a good opportunity while other businesses are quieter. So again, it's what we were saying before about thinking long-term about things. So actually, like you said earlier, that I think lots of people have completely ditched their PR um, and what we, we don't specialise in a specific industry for a good reason, which is that we like to have a wider view of the world, the media world, and of what's going on. Um, but actually that's proved to be quite useful right now as well, because if we specialised in travel or hospitality, that would be that would be a problem. Um, and one of my friends is actually going through it right now, um, and hopefully things will pick up. But, but no, it's, it's, it's actually been okay, and I've quite enjoyed having, I mean, our community is tiny as well, because we, we all live quite near the office. Um, but it's been nice to have some time out of the office and just reassess and look at what we're doing and sort of just just reset a bit, I think. Oh, so it's not been, not been too bad for us, but um, I know it's been difficult for a lot of people. So, yeah, yeah. you it's know, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm really mm. pleased to hear that it's um, that so far it's been OK for you and that you are still out there doing your thing getting all this great PR for all of your clients that you've got and it's really positive to hear that you've got some new clients as well actually that that gives people hope I think during this difficult difficult time for everybody um, and an overused word unprecedented but I'm sure you know, it, does, <laughs> it does feel like that doesn't it like nobody quite knows what's what going to come next and yeah it feels a bit like you're floundering so I think you've given us some really um, fabulous tips and advice for things that we could um, be doing for ourselves if we feel like we need some uh, more expert uh, support and advice how can people find out more about um, about you and Cherub PR? Uh, they can visit the website which is uh, www.cherubpr.co.uk but it's Cherub without the H just to confuse things but there's a reason if anyone if anyone looks up and um, gives me a call I'll explain why. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that little teaser leave people hanging so they have to get in touch with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'll, tell, I'll tell them the whole story behind it. <laughs> or we're on Twitter at, and at Cherub PR. Uh, and I'm at Kerry Jane, but again, that's spelled weirdly, C E R I J A N E. It's a Welsh thing. So, and, and <laughs> so you are hyphenated too, like me. I'm a, I'm a hyphenated Kerry yes. Ann. So we could have probably done a whole podcast on the pros and cons of having hyphenated <laughs> names. Because <laughs> I'm only one person who actually ever uses my full name. Actually, everyone else just can't be bothered. It's just Kerry Kerry, so it's fine. So, it's fine. and no one can pronounce my first name anyway. This is not spelled K E R R Y. So it's Siri. Very, <laughs> As long as you don't get anything too offensive, that's the main thing. It's not to my face. Not to your face. I love it. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, 
thank you so much for taking the time um, to have this chat tonight. I'm sure we're going to get loads of interest from people and we'll probably be inviting you back if you'd like to come back for another chat. Maybe next time with wine. We were talking about that beforehand. <laughs> do we have wine or no wine when we do the podcast? But um, uh, it's it's practice been, run. Yes, practice run. It's been really great speaking to you. We'll make sure all your contact details are in the episode notes so people um, know how to get hold of you. And um, thank you so much for taking the time to be here tonight. Thank you very much. It's been really lovely talking to you again. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone.